Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Peter, the reason for the internship you're going to replace Jesus on the earth. And that's what he's saying to you and me this morning. We're Jesus on this earth, every Christian. We've replaced Jesus. We've replaced the apostles. We replaced Martin Luther and all the other great people, Spurgeon and all those. We are the replacements to represent, to know God and make him known. That's what we are. What? Me replace Martin Luther? Replace Peter? Replace Jesus? Impossible. These are probably the thoughts going through our heads as we hear Pastor Mark's statement. There's no doubt that Peter and the other ten felt that sense of inadequacy when they realized that they were going to have to move forward without Jesus. Pastor Mark will be explaining these passages and how they apply to us. We'll learn as the apostles did that this job would be impossible without the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling them. Pastor Mark will also be teaching on the importance of our relying on that daily infusion of the Spirit's power for living. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he continues with his message, Disciples, Interns in Training. What were they talking about Jesus? They spoke about his departure, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. What was going to happen in a little more than a year in Jerusalem with Jesus? He was going to be beaten, died on the cross so you and I could have our salvation, be resurrected and go to heaven. He was going to depart to heaven. So what does that show us? Death is not the end of our existence. It's simply a departure from one place to another. Now, Moses and Elijah, as I said, have been living in heaven for hundreds and hundreds of years. Jesus soon would go back to heaven after his death where he'd been. So facing those three people, there's an interesting question for you and me. The oldest book in the Old Testament is the book of Job. And they didn't get all this. But Job asked an interesting question, which you should ask. Here's the question Job asked. If a man dies, if a woman dies, will they live again? Will they live again? And man has always been asking that. Do you know why? The book of Ecclesiastes says God has put eternity in your heart. Believer, unbeliever, doesn't matter. You know, you know, you'll never admit it to me if you're not a believer. But you know because God put it in there. You say, well, I didn't accept it when God put it there. Sorry. You know when you die, you're going to live somewhere. You may be confused about it. I hope to clear all that up for you today. 
But you know this is not the end of life. But the world has tried to confuse that. See, the most valuable thing anybody has is their soul, where they'll live when they die. And so the world has come up with lots of excuses, lots of false belief. I'll go through three of them very quickly with you. But only the Bible gives us the truth. And you already see it this morning. Some people say, many people say this, that after a person dies, there's no life after death. No eternity. We simple, simply cease to exist. He bought, we hear people say, he bought the farm, it's over with, he's back in the ground, where he came from, that's it, nothing, there's no spiritualness, there's no eternity, there's no soul of man, absolutely dead. They call it eternal oblivion. That is not biblical at all. The Bible says this, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after death, the judgment. You don't cease to exist. Number two, there's a well-meaning people. Much of their doctrine is good, but some of it isn't. Seventh-day Adventist church, they teach soul sleep. That denies a man's consciousness when he dies until the resurrection day. In other words, all those years, until you're resurrected by Christ, you're just in kind of limbo. Nothing's happening. There's no existence to you, no, no consciousness of man. But the scripture says that's totally a lie. What does Paul say? Listen, remember this. Absent from the body, death, what's the Bible say? Immediately what? Present where? With the Lord. And when Jesus witnessed to one of the thieves who accepted Christ on the cross, what did Jesus say to him? For the next 500 years, you're going to soul sleep. And eventually I'll come get you. No, what did he say? Today you'll be with me where? In paradise. And the last one is a very common one. You know, I do a lot of stuff in Asia. And reincarnation is a big deal in Asia. Always has been. The belief that a person after death keeps coming back in one form or another. Keep coming back. Keep coming back. Animals, all kinds of things. Keep coming back until they, they actually reach perfection. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many times would you have to come back to get it right? <laughs> Forever. Forget it. I read this, and I'm not making fun, but I just thought it was great about this reincarnation thing. Uh, remember, it's appointed unto man once to die, and then what? How many times to die? No, absolutely no reincarnation. But here's a reincarnation joke. Life stinks. How many know that's true sometimes? Life stinks, then you die. Here's reincarnation. Then life stinks again. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not reincarnated. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, so what am I saying to you this morning? Eternal oblivion, that when you die, it's over. Reincarnation and soul sleep are all false teachings. Notice in this conversation, Moses and Elijah are alive and they're talking to Jesus. Moses didn't come back as a dog. (laughs) Elijah didn't come back as a bug. And I'm not making fun. Do you understand? They're people who they were, and they're talking to Jesus hundreds of years after they died. That's the truth. Now, what does that say to you? Here's a lesson you want to write down. People are eternal, and they will live forever. 
after death, either in heaven or in hell. You're eternal. Mr. Mike, I don't believe it. Ten seconds after you die, you will believe it. It's too late. There is, when a person dies, they either go in the presence of God or eventually heaven, the new heavens, new earth, Satan, hell, lake of fire eventually. There is no way you don't hear the churches even talk about it. That does. They probably still have it, but they don't really talk about it much. There is no such thing as an intermediary that you can pray somebody out of there. You cannot pray for anybody when they die. After you breathe your last breath, if you're a believer and not ashamed of Jesus, heaven. If not, hell. Nobody can pray you out. That's all false hope. It doesn't matter what happens. It's over. It's finished. That's why there's an urgency in the church to get what? Number one, truth out. Well, I'm going to be fine because I'm going to keep coming. No, you're not. I'm not making fun of that at all. What is it? That's Satan's lousy line. Because it's too late. And so there's an urgency to get the truth out, but there's an urgency to win people for Jesus Christ. Because they don't know this. Guaranteed, the most of your friends have no idea what I just said. They don't believe it's biblical. And I just proved to you, it is. When we get to Luke chapter 16, I'll talk more about it because we're going to talk about hell. And when we get there, you're going to discover a man that is in hell. You know what? He has one word to say. Would somebody go and tell my brothers who haven't died, this place is real. You don't want to come here. He couldn't go back. The person to tell those brothers is you, me. It's real. Now look at verse 32. Peter finally wakes up. And Peter and his companions were very sleepy. But when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men standing with him. Now what a shock that was to the disciples. They'd watch Jesus in his real body, his human body, tired, needed food, rest. And, and all of a sudden, what do they see? They see somebody they don't even hardly recognize. They recognize him, but like, wow, what, what is that glow? What is that? What they see is who Jesus really was before he came to earth. And so here's what you want to write. What did they learn? That Jesus on the earth was fully man, but now they see he is fully God. Now, when they wake up, they recognize Jesus. But how do they know who Moses and Elijah are? Well, Moses stepped up. He had this heavenly name tag. My name is Moses. And Elijah come over. You know me as the fiery prophet, baby. Here's my name, Elijah. E-L-I-J-H. We don't know how they knew them. But they knew them. Maybe Jesus introduced them. We don't know. There wasn't a Facebook. Let's see. Oh, Jesus probably introduced them. So what does that say to you? This is huge. Anybody here had a mom, a dad, a loved one, a child, a relative, a close friend die? Anybody here as a Christian? Anybody here? Here's what you want to write this morning. This is the hope that only Christians have. Watch this. We will recognize one another in heaven. Could I hear an amen this morning? <laughs> Woo! I want to see my dad and my mom and my brother and a bunch of other people. You know, somebody said, we'll be surprised who's in heaven. 
when we get there. A lot of people are going to be surprised you and I are in heaven when we get there. But from the grace of God, amen? So this is the hope of a Christian. I say to my kids, my wife and I, when our kids were growing up, we say to this day, we don't care what you do for a living. We don't care where the kids, our grandkids go to school. We don't care about any of that stuff. We want them to do well. We want to have a nice home, all those kinds of stuff. We don't care. The only thing we pray for is we'll see you and our grandkids in heaven one day. The rest doesn't matter. The rest doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Careful. Well, I don't come to church anymore. I got soccer in this day and a baseball over here and then over here. Careful. Wrong emphasis on the wrong things. Nothing matters but eternity. I can only take care of me. I can't take care of you. But I can inform you. And that's what Jesus is doing. There would be an urgency in the church because Peter and the disciples got it. And that's why one day Peter would say this. There's no name under heaven whereby a man can be saved, get to heaven, than the name Jesus Christ. He stood unashamed in front of the religious leaders, knew he'd be beaten and jailed. He could care less because of this experience. You see, all of a sudden, watch what happens in verse 33. As the men were leaving, Peter said to him, now, how many know, I want to see Peter in heaven. You know, I want to see Peter in heaven. I want to see how big his mouth is. Because, because he's always putting his foot in his mouth. You know what I mean? How many of you know how to put your foot in your mouth? Oh, I know how to put my foot in my mouth. Well, here comes another one. I'll paraphrase it for you. Basically, Peter says this in the next verse. Look at me. He says, it's Jesus. This is fantastic up here. Now, remember what Jesus had just told him. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to be persecuted. They're going to persecute me. They're going to kill me. Then I'm going to heaven. I'm paying for your sins. And oh, by the way, Peter, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. So Peter says, Jesus, this is a safe place. Let's just stay on the mountain. Let's build three condominiums. One for Elijah, and one for Moses, and one for you. Wow, this is fantastic. And look at the end of this verse in your Bible. I think this is classic. Luke writes it. Look at the end of the verse. He did not know what he was saying. There's another whole sermon right there for an hour. If you don't know what you're saying, shut up. Don't say it. He says something stupid. You can see him. He means well. Let's just stay here. It's a safe place. I don't want to go back down to the real world. We're on the mountaintop. This is fantastic. Jesus, set up your kingdom right here. This is good. This is good. Right here. Right here. While he was speaking, a cloud appeared and covered them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. The cloud was the presence of God. It was the Shekinah glory of God, of the visible way to see God and not yet see God. Very common in the Old Testament. When the temple, when they would offer sacrifices, the Shekinah glory would cover the temple, knowing that God was present with them. Remember what I said at the beginning of the service? God's present with us right here. You hold me now. This presence came in a visible way. And from this cloud, which represented God being there, look what he says in verse 35. And a voice from the cloud saying, this is my son whom I've chosen. 
Underline these three words. Listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, they found that Jesus was alone. The other two went back to heaven. The disciples kept this to themselves and did not tell anyone at that time what they had seen. See, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of the mountain to show them that he was not just a prophet, but he was God's son. He was deity. He was God. Lesson learned, Jesus is God's son. Now, did Peter learn this lesson? Did he understand what this was about after this crazy statement? Let's stay here on the mountain. By the way, how many of you here would like to just live on the mountaintop all the time? I'd like to just live there. Everything's perfect, peaceful, whatever. How many know that ain't going to happen? We'll talk about the valleys in a moment. Did Peter learn this? Look at this. This is so powerful. Later, Peter writes an epistle. Look what he writes. For we were not making up clever stories when we told you about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just stop right there. Some of you saying this morning, Pastor Mark, this is a stupid story. It isn't even real. God just spoke to you. Peter says, we're not making up this clever story. Now what are you going to do with it? When we were told about the powerful coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, we saw with our own eyes his majestic splendor with our own eyes when he received honor and glory from God the Father. This is my son. Look at the rest. The voice from the majestic glory of God said to him, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. We ourselves heard that voice from heaven when we were with him. And why was the mountain holy? Because God's presence was there. His presence is invoking this congregation right now. God is in the house. He's holy, and we're not holy, but he's come to be with us. See, the real you is spiritual. Peter couldn't forget that. God came in person to visit them. Well, remember the words I asked you to underline? Listen to him. God was saying, Peter, he's fully man and fully God. Believe him. He's my son. Listen to him. He is God. Listen to him. He told you he's going to the cross. He is going to the cross. Listen to him. And listen to him. Peter, the reason for the internship You're going to replace Jesus on the earth. And that's what he's saying to you and me this morning. We're Jesus on this earth. Every Christian. We've replaced Jesus. We've replaced the apostles. We replaced Martin Luther and all the other great people. Spurgeon and all those. We are the replacements to represent, to know God and make him known. That's what we are. So what did we learn from this? This is a huge principle. Many of us have a dog or a cat. Cat doesn't matter. They didn't listen to you anyway. But <laughs> By the way, the build dogs in heaven, but no cats in heaven. They just can't make it. They're ashamed. They just walk off to the corn. Don't email me. I have fun with it. Okay. Here's what I want you to write this morning. Following Jesus requires listening and obeying. Listen to him doesn't mean, oh, nice words. 
To my dog, that's pretty much it. But to you and I, it means obey him. So what he's saying to the disciples, look, when you listen to him, what he tells you to do, do it. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. Do it. Don't just listen to the words. Do it. Get right. Finish it up. Now, you say, well, Pastor Mark, that's nice. I like it. Makes a lot of sense to me. But I don't hear God's voice. Well, you've heard it this morning. It's through a five foot seven, 72 year old, great looking guy. Do you know you've heard the voice of God this morning? You have it in your lap. He's been speaking to you the whole time. He's still here. His presence is here. This is all truth. Bet your life on it. It's the only stable bet in the world. The word of God's living and active. Well, we all said we like to stay on the mountain, but it doesn't work. Look at verse 37. The next day, when they came down from the mountain, a large crowd met him. A man in the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. I want you to write this down. You'll understand it as you write it down. Real life, real life is lived on the mountaintops. You'll see it in a moment. But realistically, where is real life lived? Tell me. In the valleys. Real life is lived on the mountaintops. But most of life is lived where? In the valleys. In the difficult times. In this room, some of you this morning are on the mountaintop. Enjoy it. Some of you are in the valley. He's with you. And we're going to pray for that at the end. Because that's the way life is. Mountaintops, valleys. They've been enjoying the mountaintop. Everything's great. They come down to real life. Jesus said, no, 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 we don't live up here. I'm not, I'm not building a condominium and living up here. I came to meet people. Do you know that people are messy? Do you know that? We have all kinds of messes in our lives. And that's exactly what he was trying to say to them. Most of life has lived in the valley. Now, when you see that, What was the father trying to say? Look at verse 39. A spirit seizes him, my boy, and he suddenly screams. It throws him into convulsions so that he foams at the mouth. It scarcely ever leaves him and is destroying him. I begged your disciples, the other nine that were left below, to drive it out, but they could not. They would prayed for this boy, but nothing changed. The book of Mark says... The Spirit was robbing him of his speech. I asked the disciples to drive out the Spirit, but they could not. Well, now that we all realize we're Jesus' replacements, how does that make you feel? Hopefully, it drives you closer to the Holy Spirit for strengthening and purification. Pastor Mark was being honest about what it really means to be a Christ follower. The important thing is to remember that we cannot do this life on our own strength. We absolutely must rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to be successful. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. In his next teaching, Pastor Mark will be sharing about the Transfiguration Experience, where three disciples got to see Jesus reveal His divine nature. And then, when they come down from that amazing event, they will be confronted with the reality of the spiritual world. We'll see the challenge that we as disciples, interns of Christ, face when we're not staying reliant upon the Holy Spirit. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time. As Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.